0: Now I have the privilege of introducing one of my dear friends. Um, some of you are from Jubilee Church in Enfield, North London and um, some of you aren't um, but, but whoever you are whoever you are, you're going to love Toppy, who's going to come and speak to us. I'm, I'm going to I'm just going to read to you. Toppy's asked me to read, read the passage of Scripture he's speaking from, or one of them. So, if you, you have your Bible with me, with you. Shh. Thanks, guys. Okay, so if you've got your Bible, turn to a, an Old Testament book, 1 Samuel. It's about a third of the way through your Bible, 1 Samuel. And I'm just going to read to you some verses from chapter 14. And then Top, you'll come up and speak to us. This is a story about Jonathan and his friend, the armor bearer and an amazing, courageous decision they took. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come to you then we will stand still in our place and we will not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hand. And this shall be the sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, look, Hebrews are coming out of their holes where they have hidden themselves. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor-bearer and said, Come up to us and we will show you a thing. Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet and his armor-bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan. And his armor-bearer killed them after him. And that first strike, which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made, killed about 20 men within, as it were, half a furrow's length of an acre of land. And there was a panic in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and even the raiders trembled. The earth quaked, and it became a very great panic. Let's welcome Toppy. (laughs)
1: Oh my goodness, gracious me, this is amazing, this is scary, I don't think I've ever seen so many people, so many young people in one place, the last time I was here, there were so many of you, and now there are even more of you, it's a joy to be here, and I really thank God for what He's doing here, the worship time, and just to see people's response to God. is wonderful. Well, I'm going to be preaching to you this evening, but before I get to that, I just need to sh- tell you a few things that I think would be helpful. I would like for us to make some noise because the last time I was here, I, you, I got you guys to make some noise, and it turned out you were the loudest people I had ever preached to up to that point, and so everywhere I go preaching, I boast about you. So, are you ready to make some noise? I'm going to tell you what to do. I am going to say, "Praise the Lord," and you're going to say, "Hallelujah." How did you possibly know that? I'm going to say, "Praise the Lord," you're going to say, "Hallelujah." So let's just test this and see how we go. Praise the Lord. That's amazing. Now we're going to do it three times. I'll say the first time you make it loud. I'll say the second time you make it louder. The third time you're going to say hallelujah and stretch it. If you're here and you're Nigerian, you know how this goes. You all ready for this? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! This is amazing! There's no better place to be than here. With God's people, and being in the house of the Lord, worshiping God. This is a good thing. The rest of your lives will be marked by moments like this, because God is going to touch you this evening in Jesus' name. Can you shout amen to that? Yeah, as I'm going to be it every so often, I'm going to tell you to shout amen. You may not whisper amen. You may not be like, "Mm, mm, 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 mm." no, no, no. When I say shout amen, you go for it. Because each time you do it, you're doing something prophetic. It's not just making of noise. It is saying something prophetic from inside of you. You're saying, I hear it. I agree with it. It will happen for me in Jesus' name. Can you shout amen to that? Those who know their God shall be strong and they shall do exploits. Those who know their God, they will stand firm. They will be immovable. And they will take action, right action, exact action. They'll be following commands from above, those who know their God, which means, by the way, that there are some people who simply know about their God, they don't really know their God. Oh, and there's a difference. Those who merely know about Him, uh, they can talk about Him, they hear stories about Him, but they have no relationship with Him. The difference between those two is those who do know their God They stand firm. When the enemy comes, they stand firm. When situations come against them, they stand firm. Those who know their God. You know your God. You know your God. And you know what's even better than that? The one thing better than you knowing God is this. is that God knows you. Oh, he knows you and he cares about you, and he loves you. Tell me, how would you handle it? If you had to be taken away from your country, from your nation, from your family, if there was war and you were taken captive, and you were taken to another place and another land, to mix with other people. How would you handle it? Away from the ones that you know and you love and the things that you are used to. How will you handle it? It's an interesting question. In our church in London, we have uh, a number of people and we have a guy there who came from the Middle East. And coming from the Middle East, he left from the Middle East and he came to this country. But what a journey. He had to leave his own country because he professed Jesus as Lord. And in that nation, there are many people who do not profess Jesus as Lord. And in fact, his own family were going to kill him. And he had to escape, if not for the goodness of an uncle that got him to escape and leave his own country. And then ended up in a country like this. And ended up in a church like our church, like your church, where Jesus Christ is the center and he's growing in grace. But tell me this. How would you handle it if you were taken away from all the creaturely comforts that you have and all the goodness that is happening and all your your friends and your parents and people you know? How would you handle it? I'll tell you this some handle it really badly, really poorly. There's some, they are Christians only when they're among Christians but you take them out of that setting and put them in another setting or take them to another nation, or they're taken captive. Oh, some don't handle it well. Very, very quickly, they begin to mix with the other group. They begin to talk like the other group. They begin to become like wherever it is they've taken them. And in the end, they end up having really no conviction. And they shake and they give in. In fact, they end up giving up who they are and even giving up the God they serve. Oh, what a pity. But on the other hand, I know that there are some people, my goodness, they handle it well. Well, no matter where they're taken, these ones, they go to a different place. They maybe have been taken captive, but wherever they are, they stand for God. They believe in God. They are strong. They are a different breed of people, I call them, the fearless ones. No matter who the enemy is, no matter what situation in which they find themselves, they are fearless. And this day, this evening, if you're here and you do not know Jesus as your Lord, today you are to give your life to him. Today, this evening. And if you're here... And you do know the Lord, but there are certain fears in your life that are holding you back and crippling you down and handicapping you. Then God himself, by his Holy Spirit, wants to come sweep over you and wash away the fear so that you can become free, free, freedom in Christ. The fearless ones. They're actually very, very, they look very, very ordinary. They're just like you, just boys and girls like you. You wouldn't know it. You, wouldn't re- you, you would not believe it that there's something great on the inside of them. They know it because, you see, they know they're gods. They know they're God. And they reject other gods of this world. But you would never imagine it. They're just so normal. They walk like you. They go to schools like you. The only time you come to realize is when pressure comes, is when persecution comes, is when people are against them. Then their character begins to show itself. Their conviction shows itself. Their commitment to their God shows itself. And you begin to realize he's one of them. She's one of them, a fearless one. There was one like this in the Bible. His name is Daniel. Now, I forgot to check where the clock is. Is there a clock here? No clock, because I'm Nigerian, I'll keep going till Tuesday. (laughs) All right, someone tell me when it's Monday, then I'll stop. These fearless ones, you know about them because number one, they have a tendency to draw the line whenever something is going way too far, going way beyond what they have been, what they, they've been taught, what they know, they will draw the line. They draw the line for the enemy and say, you don't come beyond here. They draw the line over certain, over certain situations and say, I, no, thank you, I don't go into that side of things. Why? Because they have a God that they know, that they serve, that they love. They draw the line. One such person was Daniel. Right there in your Bible, his name, Daniel. We're talking here about a long time ago, 500 B.C., where this boy, man, Daniel, was a teenager, really. The enemy, the Babylonians, had come into their land and taken him captive and taken him away. And not just him, but taking a whole group of them away. They took the best ones away. And Daniel was one of them. And they took him, took him away into Babylon. He would have gotten to Babylon and seen the gate. It's like a person going out from a very small village and never left and suddenly into a huge, massive city. Never seen anything like it before. They say that he would have seen the gates of it and just been shocked. Would have had to walk into that place and everything is going to change. Every, it's all changed from that point on. Going into Babylon, taking into exile. Seeing different people who have a different culture, who worship different gods and have a different religion. And the first thing they're going to try to do to them, what they did to them, number one, is this. They started to change their names. Oh, yeah. Change the names. I'm trying to show you the enemy's tactics over your life because you need to know the way the enemy works so that you can know how to combat him. First thing, they tried to change their names. One of them, his name was Daniel, which means, you know, God is my judge. God is the righteous judge. They changed his name to Belshazzar. Oh dear, you don't want that name. They gave another one, Hananiah was his name, which means, talked, talked about the grace of God. Oh, they called him Shadrach. Another one, Mishael, which means that, who, who, can, who can be compared to God? They called him Meshach. And then the last one, Azariah, they call him Abednego. I think he had an afro. They called him. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. I thought. <laughs> so you just might not get it. Don't, don't worry about it. But these boys have their own names, and they're going to rename them. Not just do they want to change their name, they also decide to change their nature. Change their whole nature. They give them literature, Babylonian literature. I say, "This is what you read from now on. This is your name. This is what you read from now on." They're going to change everything about them, and then, and then it ha- their language began to change. Their language teach them the Babylonian language, and then educate them in the Babylonian way. There were three years. It says they were schooling them. This is what you're going to study. This is what you're going to. So they're brainwashing them the whole time. Changing their culture, and then decided to give them different food. So from now on, you're gonna eat Babylonian food. No more, no more curry. Babylonian food. Babylonian food. No more shepherds pie. Babylonian food. No more quiche. They be like, we never ate quiche. They give them different food and give them different diets and different wine. The whole time, they're trying to change their appetites and change their palate so that they're going to end up liking different things. These were God's children. Somebody's trying to change them into children of the world. I'm telling you all this because as it was for them, so it is for you. It's not that you are being taken captive, it's that, the, uh, it's that other nations have come to you. that the enemy is coming to you. And the first thing he's going to try to do is, is he's going to try to change your name. And it works, unfortunately, for so many people. He's going to change your name from whatever name your parents gave you. When your parents gave you name, they wanted a name that reminded them of something, something good, some good story behind it. He's going to change all of that. No wonder sometimes I hear Christians say, they begin to think things like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm useless. Who told you that? You're listening to another voice that is giving you another name. They begin to think that, you know, I'm just odd. I'm different. They said I'm weird. They called me weird. They called me weird. After a while when they call you weird, you know, you begin to believe maybe I am weird. You're listening to the enemy. Listen to the enemy. He's going to call you strange. He's going to call you fearful. He's going to say, you're very fearful. You need to know that's who you are. You're very fearful. And after a while, you're going to go to your room, go to your bedroom, begin to think, I think I am. It's true. I I am fearful. That's who I am. And listen, the moment you take a little bit from the enemy, oh, he's going to go the whole way now. He's going to begin to change your language. And the things that you say about yourself. I've heard Christians say things like that. Maybe you do. And God wants to rinse out your mouth so that you learn to say the right things. Because so many have become used to saying things so wrong, so you know, antithetical to the Scripture, different from the Bible. Things that, you've heard things like, you know, I just don't fit wherever I go. After a while, you begin to believe that. I just don't fit. I just never can make friends. I'm just weak, I know I'm weak, I know I'm weak, it's just who I am. Who told you that? Who told you that? You're listening to an enemy, you're listening to a different voice. You need to stop that. All your life, your call is to listen to what God says about you. And God does not say that about you. He put himself, he put his spirit on the inside of you. So why then would you say, I'm just not accepted? I just don't feel loved. I'm just not loved. If you're not careful, you begin to think, maybe my parents don't even love me. Maybe nobody actually really loves me. Begin to move back and back. People do that because the enemy suggests it to them. And you may be here today, these things have a way of crippling your faith. Crippling your faith. They gave them different literature. In the same way he'll do that for you, I meet Christians sometimes, they're trying to be cleverer than the Bible. So they start reading all kinds of different literature. And then now, they they, 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 they read one or two things. Next thing, they're questioning things in the Bible. What do you know? With your very, very small brain, what do you know? (laughs) Did I say small brain? I meant tiny brain. What do you know the Bible's talks it makes it clear that's what you were taught, that's what you believe in your spirit. Why would you let somebody else, something else, tamper with that? It happens ever so slowly. No, no, no. You should stick to the book and stick to books that talk well about the book. They give them different, they give them different foods. Why? They want to change their whole palette and change everything about them. You need to be careful things that you take in. You, you and I, we're New Testament Christians. The issue for us is not about what we eat or not eat. We're free in Christ to eat anything. But listen, it's about what you take in. What you take in through your eyes. That is things that you watch. Things that you watch that nobody knows about. In the secrecy of your room, you can see it, you can download it, you can watch it, you can hide it. You can. And you know what happens? the more you watch that thing, it begins to get into your spirit. Its tentacles come out. It goes deep on the inside of you. You don't realize it the whole time. You keep watching it and watching it and watch. After a while, you cannot stop watching it. And then it's got you. And you know it's got you because when you come into church, you used to worship God like this. But now your hands begin to go down slowly. Why? Well, there's guilt going on. There's guilt going on. You begin to feel a little bit dirty, and you can't explain it to anybody, but you know there's something not right, because you've been watching and seeing things. You have no business watching. Why? You're taking in the wrong thing. It's taking things into your body. Listen to me now. At some point, are you all listening? At some point, somebody is going to offer you something to take into your body. They'll say, sniff it. They'll say, drink it. They'll say, inject it. They'll say, just take it. The answer to that is, no thanks. Really, you don't have to make a big deal about it. I'm telling you that now so that when that moment comes, God by His Spirit will remind you of this. You don't even have to shout. You don't have to make a big deal. You just look at it and say, no thanks. And you move right on. Yeah, you move right on. And I'll tell you this as well. You don't have to explain yourself. You got that? You got that? You don't have to explain yourself. You just, no thank you. You Whenever you explain yourself, you want them to know that's not even very good for them. Why am I telling you this? Because you're saying no, because you are a child of God. You're a child of God. You're born by God. You're born in God. You've been born again. The point is this, you must know this because you must reject the enemy's ideas. The lesson is simply this, the enemy wants to name you. The enemy wants to tame you. The enemy wants to frame you so you can't get out of the box he puts you in. The enemy wants to claim you for himself. And then the enemy wants to shame you. But in the name of Jesus, the enemy will not succeed over your life in Jesus' name. Can you shout amen to that? It says of Daniel, and Daniel resolved. Not to defile himself. You know what that means? He made up his mind way before the situation came up. He resolved. It's done. Not to defile himself. Because he's a child of God and he said to the people there, he said, you know what? I'm going to eat something else. You you, you can call me whatever you want. I know who God says I am. That's the point. I know who God says I am, and I'm staying and sticking to that. Fearless ones have a way. They've drawn the line. I'm not going beyond that. I'm not doing that. I'm better than that. I have not been taught that by Christ, so I stick to what Christ has taught me. That's Daniel. He drew the line. Fearless ones are like that. They stand for something. You are being called By God, to be a fearless one against the world and against the enemy. Can you say amen to that? Fearless ones also, they know how to take the heat. You see, if you decide I'm going to be a fearless one, I'm going to draw the line, you just need to know when you draw the line, the enemy really ramps it right up. And so it is that these four uh, Hebrew boys, there they are in Babylon. They're minding their own business. They're in a foreign land. But they're keeping their faith. And then the king decides, his name is Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, decides he's going to build a huge statue, 90-foot statue. When you're thinking about a land that everything is flat and plain, that statue stood right up. Anyone, everyone could see it. And the idea is this, that whenever you hear the music, you bow to the statue. You bow to the statue. Well, (laughs) Everyone said, oh, we got it. O king, we got it." And so, whenever the music—Babylonian music—I I don't know what that looks sounds like. I know it's not reggae music. Then get ding ding Was reggae music? I would love dance to. It. I don't think it's reggae music. I don't know what. I, I don't know what kind of music. I think, but I think Babylonian music sounded something like. Because when you read everything involved in it, you'll be like, I don't know how that thing
0: works.
1: <laughs> Babylonian music. So whenever you hear the music, everyone is to bow down and worship. Oh, well, that's, that's a problem right there. Because these Hebrew children, they're like, we just can't do that. We belong to a different kingdom. We belong to a different kingdom. And we are agents of that kingdom. And we are not secret agents. We're going to make it real clear who we are. Some of you are secret agents in, church, in school. Nobody knows you're a Christian because you hide it real well. You hide it real well. In fact, if ever you see somebody in your church coming to your school, you're like, oh, no. You're <laughs> going to be found out. You're supposed to be found out. You're supposed to actually come right out and say, this is who I am. You should come right out. You should let everyone hear it. I'll tell you something strange. The whole world is coming out of the closet. You might as well come out too and say, I stand for Jesus. you got one life. You might as well stand for something. You might as well stand for the one who made everything. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Oh, Daniel won the first battle and then came a second battle. This huge statue. They went, enemies of Daniel went to Nebuchadnezzar and said, Did you know that there are these three Hebrew children who are simply not listening to you? They're not bowing down. To, your, to you and to your statue, to your God, they are defying you, O oh king. Oh, says the king. It's doesn't sound good. He, he, he didn't want to kill them. He get, got them together to be like, okay, I'm going to give you one last chance. Tell it to my ears. When the music goes, will you bow down? They'll be like, oh, king, oh, king, O oh king. We're ever so sorry. But we just can't do that. He's like, you do understand, if you don't bow down, I'm going to put you in the fiery furnace. In other words, if you don't bow down, I'm going to fire you. And I don't mean lose your jobs. I mean, literally, they're like, king, we'll tell you this about our God. Our God is able. Everyone say, God is able. able. They said, our God, he will deliver us. Everybody said God will. And then they said, but even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down to you. Nebuchadnezzar, it's like, this is unbelief. This is rude. I am mad. His face goes. <laughs> and so this is he's going to put them right in fire. I'll tell you something about fire. Don't mess with fire. You ever like the video that I have up there for you? You know, fire, fire has no respect for anybody. Because the thing on the video is this you know, you see people blowing out their Christmas, uh, uh, their birthday uh, moment, their birthday cake, and so on. Do you have the video there? Ah, uh, that's a shame. I had a video for you, Oh, dear. Oh, dear. You don't want that to happen to you. Keep your hair away. You never see a black brother do that. Uh oh. Don't play with fire. Don't play. Oh, bro! Your fro is on fire. Unbelievable. I saw, I've seen strange pictures about people with fire. Like this guy, for example, the face goes funny. Oh, look at that. Fire is coming out of strange places. And then you see sometimes their face goes very funny. You see sometimes their glasses go really weird. It even happens to preachers, you know, when preachers are on. Oh, yeah. That was Joe saying, What's the problem? You know, when. Nebuchadnezzar heard this. He's like, make that thing seven times hotter. And so seven times hotter, this thing is blazing. You know why seven times? I mean, fire is fire. But seven times hotter means I don't even want them to live for like a millisecond. I want them to go in and get singed. And so they take them. And all the, you know, the police, as it were, take them. The people taking them, they die. I mean, imagine you're about to throw them in. But well, they die. The fire catches them. They're burnt alive and they're gone. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they walk through the fire. Listen, if you're going to be a fearless one, you need to know when to draw the line and you need to be ready to take the heat. Because we're talking here about people who, the you know, situation that is difficult, but they're still going to go. They don't decide, I'm not going to school anymore. No, 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 no. They're still going to go. They're going to walk through the situation. Everything. They walk into the fire. All three of them. And then Nebuchadnezzar is thinking, ha, 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 ha got them, got them, got them, got them. But then he looked and he thought, hang on a minute, they're still alive. Hang on a minute, not just are they alive, they were bound, now they look, they're free. Hang on a minute, their clothes are not burnt. And not just that, there's a fourth man in the fiery furnace with them. He's like, oh, what's going on? He asked all the other people, how many people did we put in? like three. How many? I, I can see a fourth one. Is the, what am I drinking? And the fourth one looks like unto the Son of God. There's a lesson here. If you will stand for God, then God will be with you in every situation of life. If you'll stand for God, God will be there with you. God will be there exactly there with you. Can you say amen to that? Fearless ones, they draw the line. Fearless ones, they take the heat, knowing that there's a wonderful, gracious God who will go with them even through the fire. He says, I'll be with you. That's why they call them the fearless ones. And the fearless ones, they live the life. They don't just talk the talk, they actually live the life. It says of Daniel, in chapter 6 of the book of Daniel, it says, and Daniel has had an excellent spirit. Oh, that's so good. He had an excellent spirit. You know what that means? It means he was diligent. Diligent when it came to matters of God. Diligent in prayer. Diligent in the word. Is that you? Are you diligent in prayer or do you only pray when there's a problem? It says Daniel, he prayed all the time. So when there was a problem, he just continued to pray. Why? It's what he does. I want to tell you this. Learn to pray all the different types of prayers. Learn to pray little ones. Lord, this is, I just commit this situation to your hand because you are God. You are almighty. I am your child. I trust in you, in Jesus. That's like a short prayer. Pray medium-sized prayers where you have a situation and you actually write it all down and you pray over it, over and over again. Don't ever feel that I'm just repeating. No, 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 you're not just repeating yourself. You over and over, you bring it before God. You pray about it. You find out where in the Bible it talks about that and then you pray it back to God. Then you have long prayers. When, for example, the church has a prayer meeting, go to the prayer meeting. It's not just for the adults. You go there, that's when you're in the middle of a prayer meeting, that's the best way to learn how to, how to preach, and how to pray. It's not just to listen to a sermon in prayer, it's about you being in the prayer meeting and something begins to happen to you. Your spirit comes alive, things you thought you could not do, suddenly you find you can. You can. Well, it says of Daniel, he had a dil- he had an excellent spirit, he was diligent with God. He was diligent when it came to authorities. Even the Babylonian authorities, he was diligent. He knew how to be in the workplace. He knew how to be at school. He knew how to be with authorities at home, his parents. He was respectful. Are you respectful to your parents? Are you respect? You should be. If you're a child of God, you should be respectful to them, the people that God put as his representatives over your life, where you don't talk back. no. You listen, you respect, listen to this, even if what they said was not what you were wanting or even correct, you still respect your parents. Every time you respect them. Why? You belong to a different kingdom. You don't copy what others do. You belong to a different kingdom. Obedient, obedient to teachers, obedient to authorities, obedient to your pastors and your leaders in church. He was diligent, which means when he came to his work, he was diligent. He did his work. He did his homework. He did his church work. He did his chores. He did. They didn't have to push him every time. Is that you? Your bedroom is your bedroom, a place that Jesus might want to come spend the night. Ah, oh, yeah. I know what some of your bedrooms are like. Pizza from January is still there. Oh, Daniel, Daniel, he had an excellent spirit. And the enemies, again, because he had an excellent spirit, because he decided, I'm going to stay clean, I'm going to stay pure. I'm not going to get myself preoccupied with all kinds of relationships that I have no business I'm going to stay clean before God. And because he was like that, they hated him. So they went to the king. Oh, king, I think we should say that everybody should bow down and worship you alone. How about 30 days? Everybody should bow down and worship you alone for the next 30 days. The king is like, sounds good. They're like, sign here, king. And he, these are the Persians and the Medes. Once the king signs, even the king cannot revoke it. They're like, sign, king. He's like, absolutely. But the thing is, the king, now this is Darius, he loved Daniel. He really did because Daniel... With his excellent spirit, he, had, he was helping to govern and rule the whole place. And they loved him. But now his son, then they came to him and said, ah, king, it's interesting you sign. We just got to let you know, somebody is not bowing down to you. He's like, who is it? Daniel. Belshazzar is not bowing down. And you know the rules. You sign the law. If anyone doesn't bow, they're going to the lions. Oh, no, says the king. Oh, no. He goes to Daniel, you're going to die. They're going to put you in the lion's den. If only I knew, I wouldn't have signed. Even the king is worried for Daniel. The whole time, Daniel is like, cool down, king. You'll be cool. (laughs) He's like, Daniel, do you not understand? They took Daniel. They put him down into the lion's den. I got to tell you, those were real lions. And I'm not talking Simba. Simba is too cute. Simba wouldn't eat him. He'd probably just kiss him. No, I'm talking Mufasa. I'm talking nasty pasty. Throw him down. Do you know, the whole night, the king didn't sleep. The whole night, the king didn't eat. He was fasting. He was awake the whole time. He just loved Daniel so much. He said something for the diligence and excellence of Daniel. Next morning, the king wakes up earlier than everybody else. He runs there and he just goes to say, Daniel! Daniel! Dan? Danny? Just when he's thinking, oh no, the lions got him for lunch. They got him for lunch. Daniel says, well, hello there, king. Oh! Un- Unbelievable. He brings him out. Daniel is alive. This is an incredible story. You know what he does? He tells all the other nasty people. He says, you know what? You all made me sign stuff. You all been talking lion, lion. I get the feeling you guys want to meet him with the lion. He threw them all in the lion's den. And they were eating for lunch. Daniel was fearless. But he lived the life. He knew when to draw the line. He knew when to take, he knew that, you know, you're going to have to take the heat sometimes. That's why he's a fearless one. But he lived the life before God. He lived the life before God. I want to pray for you this evening before I go. Because God wants to do something amazing in your life and free you. But before I do, I'm going to tell you real quickly my favorite story of being fearless. And that's the one that Joel read out to you from the Bible. Because Jonathan, who is a mighty soldier, an outstanding soldier, he has his armor bearer. The armor bearer, I always think, is the guy who he couldn't quite make it to soldier level. He really wanted to, but he couldn't quite make it. So he gets to carry the shield for the real soldiers. And Jonathan is so bold you know, and the enemies are always coming and taking over their things. One day, Jonathan thinks, you know, I don't even think I need an army. What would it look like for us to go to the camp of the enemy and fight all of them? The armor bearer is like, okay. Because, <laughs> he you know, that's not, a, that's not a good plan, but whatever Jonathan says. Jonathan says, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, we'll do it this way. We're going to go on the mountain, begin to climb towards them. If they see us, and they say to us, "Come, then we'll know God has given them into our hands." I got to tell you, this is like the worst pl- strategy plan for winning ever. And so they go, and now they have to climb up the plate. They're climbing. The enemies are looking down, like, wait, "Wait, wait, wait! I think I see some people climbing up." They look. They're like, "Are you climbing up to come fight us? Only two of you, Jonathan is just climbing." Armor bearer is behind. Yes, Jonathan. And they're like, What are you doing? We can see you. This is a rubbish plan. You should do this secretly. Don't you know anything? They're like, You want to come up? They're like, Okay, go ahead. Come up. When they said that Jonathan is looks at the armor bearer. <laughs> and so now they climb all the way up. I mean, it's a crazy plan. Two people, you're not gonna beat an whole, whole army. But Jonathan was fearless, brave, trusted God. Said, who knows, maybe God will give them into our hands. The Philistines, they're so mad, but then something happens. An earthquake happens. Everything begins to shake and all the Philistines die. So by the time Jonathan gets up there, they're all dead. They're just walking through. They're dead. But you know what makes me so, what I find so interesting is the armor bearer. Because he's got the javelin and he's got the sword carrying for Jonathan. He's walking. He's never fought in his life. He's never killed anyone. All he wanted to be is a soldier, but he never could be the soldier. But now everybody's dead. No one can fight back. He wants to try out his skills. He takes that javelin. <laughs> 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 he takes out the sword. <laughs> Jonathan is probably looking back saying, What are you doing? They're all dead. <laughs> he's got his whole Chinese deal going. Ah! Yeah!
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> he thinks he's a total ninja. And when he tells that story, it's just like he beat everybody up, everything was done. But you know what's so interesting about that? God went ahead of them. Jonathan is walking through. They're all dead. The armor bearer gets to fight. But you know what? He's fighting, but Jesus Christ is taking care of it. Listen to me. Jesus Christ, he is the conqueror. You are walking behind him. You are more than a conqueror. He has gone ahead of you, defeated all the enemies. Just believe it and you will see that you can fight and you can succeed in anything that God has for you. At the end of all of this, Nebuchadnezzar declared. He said, from now on, Everybody is to bow down to the God of Daniel. Everybody. He says, for he is the living God. He says, he endures forever. He says, his kingdom can never be destroyed. And his dominion will never end. Can you shout amen to that? He says, he he delivers and he rescues. He does signs and he does wonders. He does it in heaven and he does it here on earth. He does it in heaven and he does it in the new day camp. So if you're here today, and there are fears in your life, fear of failure, fear of what people will say, it's crippling you, it's holding you back, it's stealing from you and taking from you, he did not set you free only for you to become a slave again. He set you free that you might be free indeed. And so as the band comes up, in a few moments, I'm going to pray with you. But first, we're just going to worship God and come before Him and say to Him, Lord, this is my life. And you're going to declare some truths over your own life, where you're going to say, as the song says, I'm no longer a slave. Can you say amen to that? I am a child of God.